everyone. How are you this morning? That's okay. You're great. Why don't you stand with us? We're gathered in his name, so he's here with us, and let's worship him this morning. Here we go.
morning. Welcome to Crossroads. We're glad you're here this morning. This time I'd like to ask you to please take the friendship folders and pass them down the aisle this morning. That would be of great help to us. And then also, uh, just a few announcements here. Our Wednesday nights, God has been blessing the church on Wednesdays. Uh, you come up on Wednesday, you see the parking lot nearly full. People are coming and going, and it's, uh, it's pretty exciting up here on Wednesday evening. There's a men's group, there's a women's group, there's the children. We have the teenagers over at our uh, youth building over there uh, across the way. So I want to encourage you, uh, check out Wednesday evening. And then uh, just a few other announcements here. We have uh, the Walk for the Homeless is coming up. This is for the Light of Life Rescue Mission, and it's the support to homeless. Roger and Debbie Metcalf have a real passion for the homeless, and uh, they, they participated in this for years. And so last year they asked me to join them. And I went, and I, I said, well, I'm going to go do this. And, you know, Roger and Debbie, they are competitive. Uh, you know, they, they, they win awards for speed walking, okay? And I am a completer, okay? They are competers. I'm completer. So I went out, and I did the walk, and as I'm going out there coming back, and I, it was just dawned on me, why did that? I thought this was the longest walk in the world. I've done a couple 5Ks last year, but this was actually a 10K, and I thought it was a 5K. So I want to encourage you, jump on and, uh, and be a part of this. Uh, it's, uh, it's a great cause. It's Saturday, June 11th, down at Hinesfield. We'll start out at the Great Hall, and then we'll go out. They have a little map that goes up the trail down there. That'd be a great time. If you'd like to and more information or be a part of it, please stop by our Welcome Center and uh, grab some information there. And then also coming up in June, we're promoting a uh, conference called Man Up. And uh, this is going to be on Saturday, June the 4th. Uh, Coach, Chris, uh, Coach Mike Tomlin will be there and uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he'll be challenging men as well as there's several other people will be there challenging men to be godly men, to stand up in their homes and in their communities. And so I'm just going to show you a short video here to encourage you uh, men to sign up to be a part of that. The impact that men have on, on kids is extraordinary. And a lot of times we forget that. We feel that men have uh, an irreplaceable role in our community and their families, and we want to stand for that. So as a man, I need men in my life. If I, if I want true transformation, I, I, I need the Spirit of God living in me. I need the Word of God to instruct me. But I need men of God to lock arms with. Hi, I'm Mike Tomlin, coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm inviting you to join me in the Urban Impact at our Man Up Pittsburgh Conference on June 4th. I grew up without a relationship with my biological father, and godly men stepped in and made a huge difference in my life. So I believe wholeheartedly in Man Up's mission. One, empowering men. Two, teaching them to be strong leaders at home. And three, impacting fatherless kids in their neighborhoods and communities. We are not here to beat you up. We're here to build you up. So let's not all get consumed by our jobs and titles and the things that we do, because what we do is not who we are. You will never be strong until you know the depths of God's love. Man Up is a one-day conference filled with godly teachings, breakout sessions, worship and fellowship of over a thousand other men. I leave every year feeling renewed and fired up about being the best godly man, husband and father that I can be. No matter what stage you are in life, from high school student to grandfather, please join us on June 4th and start maximizing your impact at home, your neighborhood and your community. encourage the men to be a part of that. I think the cost is $35, and you get information out there in the uh, Welcome Center uh, about attending that. Um, and then just uh, another announcement. I know that uh, many people have been asking how our connection in Ecuador is. Many of you heard the earthquake last night, the 7.8 uh, earthquake. It hit actually out on the coast, and uh, just texting our connections down there, and, and they're telling us that their people are all safe. Uh, they said they felt the movement where they were at, and I'm sure they'll probably continue to feel some movement, but uh, our, our connection there is safe. But we 
certainly want to be praying for the people of Ecuador and also one in Japan there. How, how, you know, it's uh, interesting what's happening around our globe right now, and, and uh, the world's much bigger than our little world so, uh, in which we live here. So uh, let's, uh, let's remember them this morning in prayer. I'm going to ask the uh, ushers to come forward as we receive our morning offering. <clears throat> as the uh, ushers come your way this morning, I want to remind you, if you are a guest here this morning, please feel free to let the pipe pass you by. Uh, this is for those that are growing in the grace of giving as we give unto the Lord this morning. And uh, let's pray, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you, Lord, and I, I thank you for what you're doing in the church, Lord. Thank you for um, just even our, one of our young men, Daniel Smith, right now in Romania on a missions trip, Lord. And I just pray that you'll be with him, Lord. Encourage him, keep him safe. And uh, this is one of our young guys that grew up here, and he's out now as a student at Word of Life Bible Institute, and, and uh, you have him uh, being challenged for you. So, God, I pray that you'll continue to challenge him and, and work on him and, and move mightily in his life this week. And we thank you as that's uh, just, just one of the fruits of, of the ministry here. We see kids growing up and going out and doing things for you, Lord. We pray now that as we receive our morning offering, Lord, it's our joy to give to you. And uh, we just ask that you'll bless each gift and each giver. In your name we pray. Amen.
diamond is an unbreakable gem of great radiance and beauty. A timeless symbol of love and commitment. And precious to the one who holds it. But a diamond is not discovered in this state. Instead, it's formed over time under great pressure and heat deep within the earth. And when found, it appears like a glass pebble, easily overlooked and tossed aside without a second thought. It is only in the hands of a diamond cutter that its brilliance can be discovered. With great care and precision, it's shaped and polished until finally its true beauty is revealed for everyone to see. We each carry something inside us. God's glory, our hope, waiting to be discovered. This is the mystery of Christ in us. And like a craftsman who reveals the brilliance of a diamond, we see how God shapes, refines, and reveals true beauty. And God shows us that He is our great treasure. And this is the hope of glory. So we've been talking about the hope of glory and what is the hope of glory and how to have the hope of glory in your life. The hope of glory is Christ in you. And when we realize that, that changes uh, your perspective on many things in life. And so as, uh, as, as we've been talking about this, I've been reminded this week about like the fact that sometimes what you believe, what you know to be true, and what you feel are two different things. Have you ever had that happen to you? Like, like you're setting out and you know that God is in, in control and you know many of these things, but what you're feeling today is not necessarily the same as what you know to, know to believe is true. <clears throat> I understand that there's a, a, a thing called vertigo for pilots. When pilots are starting to learn how to fly, they deal with this new, uh, a new experience for them. Many of them is vertigo. And they'll be flying up, and as they're flying, I've understood that, uh, that they may feel a sensation that the plane may be doing something different than what they're feeling. So as, uh, what they have to do is fly by the instruments. When you're flying a plane, you have to, there are instruments that tell you what you're doing, and you have to follow what the instruments are saying, not necessarily what you're feeling. Now, you know, I'm the guy that's on, on the plane, and uh, again, I'm not, uh, I'm not the, the most avid flyer. Those of you that have been with me know that it's a very sobering experience to fly with me, you know? And, uh, and, and as, I'm, as, I'm, as we're taking off, you know, I'm holding on as if that could help anything, right? And, uh, and, but as we're, I, I can still see us coming out of Atlanta, going on to Ecuador. And as I start coming up there, and it, it always feels like the plane goes up, then it feels like he's going to go down. I don't know. Do you ever feel that? You know, it goes up and it feels like it's going to go down. Well, he's flying by the instruments up there, not by how it feels. And that's what we have to do in our spiritual life. We have to fly by the instruments. There are, uh, the, the instruments are God's word, God's truth, and we have to fly by the instruments, not necessarily how we feel, because how we feel does not always match what is reality, okay? Sometimes we're looking at things and we see things, we interpret things as really, really bad, really ugly, and sometimes they are bad and ugly, but God has something bigger at work, and, there, and so we fly by the instruments. Our theme verse has been Colossians 1.27. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now think about that, the hope of glory. Uh, he says, listen, here's the mystery, that all people can come to Christ now, uh, that everybody everywhere can come to Christ. You can, they can become followers of Christ. They can come to God, and it's through Jesus Christ. And he says, here, this is, the, this is really awesome. It is Christ in you the hope of glory. In the Old Testament, they didn't have this experience of Christ in them. They didn't have this experience of God indwelling in them. God was with them. God inhabited the praise of his people. God was there uh, 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 following them, and we're going to take a look at that. He was with them and, and trying to get them to follow him, but they did not have the indwelling that we have. Today, we have, the Bible says, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you have the indwelling of the presence of God. You have the Holy Spirit comes in. And Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we've talked about what is hope. Hope is, the, and I gave you a four-word four definition. God is in control. So when we have that, when we know that God is in control, you have hope. Hope is not something that you think or, or, you, or you wish. It is something that you know. 
I have hope. I have hope of eternal life. When I say that I have hope of eternal life, I'm not saying that I think I might have eternal life. I'm not saying I wish I have eternal life. I'm saying I have hope. Something in the future is coming, eternal life. I get to go to heaven and be with God forever and ever based upon what God's Word says, based upon what Jesus did on the cross. So that is hope. It's not wishful thinking. And then uh, the, the other concept of hope is anticipating with joy. And uh, when I anticipate something, you know, uh, when, when you're thinking about it, and you know, when I was uh, younger, my parents used to always reward us. Once a year, we got to go to Kennywood. Do you remember those days? Uh, and, and if you were good, you got, the, you got extra tickets. We had the strip tickets back in those days, you know. And, you, you know, it was one ticket for the, for the sissy rides, two tickets for the big rides, you know. And, uh, and we'd, we'd take around and we'd go run around the park. I'd be cleaning up tickets off the floor. Uh, if somebody lost a ticket, I'd be scarfing them up. But that was, uh, you anticipated it. You waited with joy for that. That's what hope is. Hope is this anticipation of something to come. So Christ in us is the hope of glory. And then what is glory? When you think about glory, you look in the Bible, it says about the glory of God. We see over and over the glory of God. Well, glory is the weighty importance and shining majesty which accompanies God's presence. The weighty importance and the shining majesty that accompanies God's presence. And that's why quite often uh, when, you, when you are reading, you'll see uh, the concept of something bright. Uh, when we think of glory, we think of something that's bright. We think of this yellow light. We think of something that's glorious. You know, go home and Google the word glory and then hit images, right? And you'll see all these pictures come up of, of a sunrise. You'll see these glorious pictures. They're all something very happy. And really, the glory of God is something very happy. It's the power of who He is. It's the power of His presence. And so when we think about this this morning, I want you to think about this. The glory is the weighty importance and shining majesty which accompanies God's presence. Now, like I said, the, the Old Testament, they didn't have this indwelling in them. That wasn't Christ in them like we have today. We have Christ in us. We have the hope of glory in us every day of your life. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, He is there. And that is a powerful thing. But in the Old Testament, we're going to look here, we're going to see some of the glory that, uh, that was shown to the children of Israel. <clears throat> Last week, we talked about Abraham and Sarah. And we said that God promised Abraham and Sarah that, uh, that his descendants would be like the stars in the heaven. And God began to fulfill the promise. Uh, the, the, the nation is, is birthed and the, the people are growing and it's now a, a people. And they have left a, a land and gone down into Egypt. And they're be, there because of, a, because of a famine. And so in Egypt, they become slaves. And as they're slaves in Egypt, God says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something. And God calls Moses. And we're going to pick up here Exodus 3, 7. This is God talking to Moses in the burning bush. Uh, he takes a bush and he, he, he has the fire on it, but yet it doesn't consume the bush. It's the glory of God there. Moses is scared. God tells him to take off your shoes and, uh, because you're on holy ground. And then the Lord says here, he says, The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. Uh, God says here, he says, I have seen the affliction. I know what's going on. I have heard their cry. I know the suffering. I know the pain. I know what's going on. And I have listened to my people. And, and then he goes on and says, And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God says here, he says, listen, I know what's going on. I'm responding. I've heard the cry of my people, and I'm responding, and I'm going to deliver them. I want you to think about your life this morning. I want you to think, what's the principle that we can draw from that passage this morning already? And that is this, that God hears your cry, and he knows your suffering. As you're his child, you're his, you're, you're his you belong to him. He hears your cry. That's why God's called us to pray. That's why God wants us to come to him. So he hears your cry. You think of the pain that you're going through. God says, I hear your cry, and I know your suffering. Now, that's pretty powerful. That's a principle that we're taking from that passage. That was a promise. He was talking directly to Israel here. But the principle that we can understand is that God hears our cry, 
and he knows our suffering. And so God still hears our cry today. And, uh, and, but yet God was taking action here, and the action that he was taking was going to deliver them. Verse 9, he says, And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. Look, look how God keeps listening to his people. He says, The cry, I've heard it. It's come back to me now. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. I've seen their slavery. I know what's going on here. Come, I will send you. He's calling Moses here. He says, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now think about Moses, the life of Moses. You know, we look at Moses as one of the greatest strong leaders ever. And he was. He was a great strong leader. God used him, but he didn't start out as a strong leader. Um, you know, we, we know his humble beginning as he was born as a baby. His mother puts him in a, in a basket and sends him down river. He's now growing up in Pharaoh's palace. He's been there about 40 years in Pharaoh's palace. He's a Hebrew. He's growing up in the palace. His mom sent him off so he would have safety, save his life. And now, now he comes out and he sees a man. He sees two men that are beating on other Hebrew people. And he feels, he feels the sense of connection to the Hebrew people. And he sees the people that are beating on him. And so he goes and, and uh, they're, they're beating on two of, two of the Hebrews. And he takes this man and he kills this man. And, and, he, and he buries him and he tries to hide him. And he says, look, I, I don't want them to feel, I don't want anybody to see this. And so he thinks I'll be all right. And he comes out the next day and the Hebrews are parading him and saying, wow, what a great thing you did. Uh, do you, is there any others? You know, and you see this, see this concept happening here. He's now afraid for his own life. If those two, I didn't think anybody saw me. And so he goes on. He goes and he runs out to the desert. He's in, he's in the desert for 40 years. And so he goes from the age of 40 to the age of 80 in the desert. And it's at the age of 80 that God calls him. Think of the downtime. Think of the hope in his life. Think of the hopelessness that he may have experienced by looking at his situation. All right. My mother put me in a basket when I was a kid. I'm grown up in the palace of Pharaoh. Everything's great. And I go out and I do that. And I'm out in this desert. I'm paying for it for 40 years. And, and, and then God calls him. And then, then you know, he, he kept crying back to the Lord. He kept telling the Lord, well, this, you know, you don't want me. Surely you want somebody else. And, and, and he gave him every excuse why, why God wouldn't use him. But God used him. And he, and he goes out and he leads the nation. And, and he goes through all the plagues. And, and we're going to fast forward here now. He's, he's led the nation of Israel out of the hand of Egypt. They have now been freed. Pharaoh says, go, get them out of here. And they go down and they come up to the Red Sea. And what do, the, what do the Israelites do? The first thing they do is they cry, hey, we would have at least died, been better to die as a slave than to die drowning. And so God parts the Red Sea. And they go through the Red Sea and God provides for them. Um, and, and then, you know, they go out and they come to a place. I'm just kind of fast-forwarding here. They come to a place called Kadesh Barnea. And uh, if, you, if you look at those Bible maps, you'll see here, there's the, the Dead Sea and the, the Jordan River. And so what God was, God had brought them to a place called Kadesh Barnea. And it's kind of right off to here. So, so they've kind of, they made their journey down. They, they're coming up and, uh, and they're going over here. And they're at Kadesh Barnea and God is about to give them the land. This was the land that they were to have. This is the land that flows with milk and honey. And, uh, and as that land was flowing with milk and honey, that was the land that, that God promised them. But look what happens. They go out, and God says, send 12 spies in. Take one from each tribe. Send 12 spies in. So, so they come, and this is the natural path here. Boom, the spies go over. So they just, this would have been real easy to take the nation of Israel and march forward. But the spies, they come back. And 10 spies give a, a negative report. Two spies give a good report. Uh, t- 10 spies said uh, in Numbers chapter 13, they said that we can't attack those people in that land. They are stronger than we are. All the people we saw are of great size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. He says, look, the, the 10 come back. And you know what? Were the people big? Were there many? There probably were. And they come back and they say, look, we can't do this. 
God, God, God's going to, you know, he's just going to let us die out here. And that two guys come back and they give a good report. But, uh, but from the bad report, look how the people respond. Numbers 14, the people respond in Numbers 14, uh, verse 1. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we would have died in the land of Egypt. If you read through the book of Exodus and, and Numbers, you see that statement come up a lot. Oh, that we would have died back there. Oh, it was so much better. And you go back and you remember the good old days. You ever do that in your life? Remember the good old days? You remember whenever you were 10 years old and it was just so fun? Uh, you, you remember when you were a teenager and you thought you didn't have any cares? Uh, you, and then, then life changed, didn't it? You know, then, you, then, then everything changed. Um, would, would that we would have died in the land of Egypt, or would that we would have died in this wilderness? You know, at least we'd die in the wilderness, but God's going to take us and let us die by the sword? Look, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? Would it not be better to go back to the very thing that God freed us from? Wouldn't it be better, you know, at least as slaves... We had food, we had shelter, it was miserable, we couldn't stand it, but at least we'd be alive. At least in the desert, we wouldn't be dying a humiliating death. God's going to take us into this land. And so, but listen, here's what was going on. God said, I've got a plan for you, and they're resisting God's plan. And when we resist God's plan, it causes pain in our life. There are many times there's a lot of pain when we resist God's plan. Um, not, that's uh, Numbers 14. Numbers 14, verse 7 and 8 says this, The land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceeding good land. The two good spies, Joshua and Caleb, they're saying, listen, this is a great land. God has provided a really good land. Um, you know, it is the land flowing with milk and honey. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and will give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Pretty wild what, God, what, what, the, what the report comes back. These people, the, these two, the good spies, they're saying, listen, this is the land flowing with milk and honey. This is really good. Um, don't be afraid of those people over there. They're but bread for us. We're going to eat them alive. And the ten bad spies are saying, but they're big. There's many of them. There's no way we can handle it. When God tells you to do something, when God leads you to do something, many times it doesn't make sense. Okay? Many times it doesn't make sense. Many times, you know, why would a little, a, a small group of people take a big land? Listen, that's how God works. And so what, what they did, they came back, and the people revolted. And, and they said, uh, look, um, hang on here. Let me just move over here to the next passage here. Numbers 14, verse 34. It says, according to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, a year for each day, you shall bear your iniquity 40 years, and you shall know my displeasure. Now check this out. This would have been the easiest route come from Kadesh Barnea, straight in and take the land. This was the land that God promised. But he said, because you didn't listen to me. Forty days I asked you to go in. I sent spies in for 40 days. For those 40 days, one day for each year, you shall wander in the wilderness. So a nation that revolted against God said, we can't do it. We can't trust God. The enemy's too big. We can't do what God's called us to do. Look what God does. He says, okay, I had you ready to go. I could have taken you right in. So here's what we're going to do. The children of Israel, they go and they wander around, and you can look on the Bible map and see it, but they wander around for 40 years till they come across this way. 40 years wandering. Uh, you know, when I, when I first discovered that on a Bible map, it was such a small area. It was like they had to keep coming into the same cactus out in the desert, you know? How did that happen? How did, they do, how did they not catch that they were just wandering in the wilderness? And it's in a small area. And they, sit, they go around this long way for 40 years. 
40 years. Did you ever feel like you're in that phase of life right there? Uh, Did you ever feel like, gee, I'm out here and I'm wondering and what the heck is going on over here? What is going on in my life? And I'm, I'm all over the place here, but yet God promised this. God gave me this, and, 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 you, and you just wonder, what in the world is going on in your life? But I want to share with you some, uh, some really exciting verses here this morning. In, uh, in Exodus chapter 40, so the, the children of Israel, were, they're wondering, so how are we getting back to the glory? How are we coming back to the glory? God's glory kept showing up all along the journey. And that's what is powerful. That is what is mind-blowing to me. As I look at that, I'm like, wow. You mean these people, they disobeyed God, and they had to go out, and they had, God took them the long way. As a matter of fact, those people that were there, he says, that whole generation is going to pass. That, those people who, who didn't do what I said, they're not going to get to go into the land. But God still fulfilled his promise to the nation of Israel. They still got to have the land with flung with milk and honey. Their descendants got it, and... and but yet there was this, this big, long process to get there. Out of the 12 spies that went in, the, the 10 that gave the bad report, who said, we can't do this, they didn't get to go in. The only two out of those spies that got to go in was Joshua and Caleb. And so they go in, and they, and they make their march on in, and, uh, and, 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 and God provides for them. But think with me about this here. As they're out in the desert, as they're going through the wandering, and you may be in a time right now of your life where you're going through wandering. You say, what's going on? It doesn't look right. My feelings are not matching what I believe right now. I would wonder what it was like to be with the children of Israel in a tent, in the desert, for a whole generation to pass and still have hope of God's promise still have hope that what God said would happen, would happen. To, to watch people die off, to watch a generation die off before God's promise was fulfilled. Um, a, a very powerful thought here. But look at the glory. Here's, here's what grabs me. Exodus chapter 40. Um, and you, you go through Exodus. Exodus is a fun book. Go home and, and read it. I mean, it's 40 chapters, so it might take you a while, all right? But, but read it and have fun with it because you, you see how God works with Moses and works with a nation. But as they're, as they're going through this time of 40 years of wandering, look what happens here. Exodus chapter 40, verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God told Moses to build a tabernacle. It was basically God's home among the people. Uh, today, Christ is in us, and then it was like God. In those days, the tabernacle was, inside the tabernacle was the Holy of Holies where God dwelt. And so he says here, then the cloud covered. God gave them a cloud by, by day and pillar of fire by night. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. <clears throat> they disobeyed God. God says, all right, I'm going to deal with you. And let me share this with you. God will deal with you. God deals with all of us. Um, God's serious about his word. Whenever we follow, when, when, when we follow him, there's great things. When we don't follow him, he deals with us, okay? He doesn't disown us. He deals with us. And so here he did. He did not disown the children of Israel. He dealt with them. And even while he was dealing with them, what does he do? The tabernacle, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. While they're in this time, the glory of the Lord was still with them. Um, verse 35, Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their journey, following it. But if the, Lord, uh, but if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day, and the night fire glowed inside the cloud so the whole family of Israel could see it. This continued throughout all their journeys. Uh, there's a, God says, my presence is still with you. All right, you didn't follow me. I was going to give you the land flowing with milk and honey. You saw an enemy. All right, you're going to take 40 years. And in that 40 years, guess what? God did not leave them. And that is what stands out to me. 
that in the middle of your darkness, uh, the, the dark things that you're dealing with, maybe it's circumstances, maybe it's natural consequences, the actions that, and decisions that you've made. Listen, in the middle of all the dark days, the glory of the Lord was still with the children of Israel. And that's, uh, that's the next thought in your notes here this morning, is that, uh, that God's presence, God's glory was with Israel even during their time of wandering. Even during this whole time of wandering. Even though they could have come. Even though, listen, things didn't go plan A. Plan B. And maybe on some of your things, some things in your life you're saying, well, I didn't choose that. I wouldn't want that to go that way. Even in plan B, listen, the glory of God was still there. And in your life this morning, in your life, God's glory is still there. Christ in you is God's glory with you even in your wandering. Now catch this. Even when you're wandering, you're, you may be going through times you say, wow, I'm dealing with things that are just hard and I can't see the light of day. Well, we have the hope of glory in us. Christ, the hope of glory. Who he is, a future with him, the hope of glory. We have his presence, Christ in you. His presence is with you. His presence doesn't leave you. Uh, he, he, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. His presence is with you even when you ignore him. Uh, and you think about this light. You think about the glory of God, this bright light in your life, right? It's dark out there. It's painful. And yet there's a bright light. It's called the glory of God. It's the shining majesty where his presence is. And where does the Apostle Paul tell us his presence is? In you. Christ in you. Now, now put this picture together. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You had a bad day. You had a bad week. You had a bad five years. You had a bad decade. Okay? Some of you are going through some tough times out there. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And what we've got to do is not look to all these circumstances, not look to all the darkness. Because when we're looking at the darkness, what do you see? You see darkness. We've got to look to the hope of glory, which is Christ in you, and watch what he's doing, because he, he is doing something. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul. Now, I want you to think about this. The Apostle Paul was used by God. He, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. Uh, the Apostle Paul was, went out and did many great and glorious things for God. And look what the Apostle Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. He had a thorn. In other words, there was some issue that he was dealing with. Uh, scholars uh, have debated on what that issue was that he actually had. Some believe it was a health problem. Some think it was blindness. And, and uh, there, there's been a number of thoughts there. But we know that he had some sort of an issue here. And he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. This is one of the greatest Christians ever to live. One of the greatest leaders of our faith. One of the greatest heroes. And he says, I begged the Lord. I pleaded. I begged the Lord three times. Remove this from me. Verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. God responds to him. Listen, three times he begged the Lord, take this away from me. Maybe you're dealing with some things like that. God, take this away from me. The burden is high. The burden is heavy. The pain is great. Take this away from me. And God doesn't take it away. The nation of Israel, God delivered them out of slavery, but they put some time into slavery, didn't they? And then when God frees them out of slavery, they disobey and they go through the wilderness, and, and God was with them there. God was with the apostle Paul when he didn't give him what he wanted. God was with the apostle Paul whenever he didn't have this thorn taken away from him. And the same is true with you. No matter how dark it is, Christ is in you he is with you that is why for christ's sake i delight in my weakness in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties for when i am weak then i am strong who enjoys 
saying, well, you know what? I was insulted today. Uh, yeah, this is really a rough day, and I'm, I'm pretty excited because in my weakness. See, that's not the way we think, is it? You know, when do we ever have a testimony time and stand, somebody stands up and says, it's just so hard. I can't make it. We show you when it was so hard they can't make it, then Christ made a difference, right? But the reality is, the Apostle Paul said, listen, this is tough. This is hard stuff. And I am going to rejoice in my weakness. And I would encourage you, rejoice in your weakness. God will get you through what you're going through. Now think about this. What are God's promises? God promises us eternal life. He promises us his presence, Christ in you. He does not promise you that everything will be going in the direction that you want it to go. Uh, he doesn't promise you just follow God and, uh, and you pull the slot machine and everything will come up jackpot, okay? That's nowhere near the promise. He says, follow me and I will be with you. Follow me. You get a home in heaven. Uh, you have my presence. You have my joy. You have all these things that come from the person of Jesus Christ, not from your circumstances. So the only thing that could be worse than trials with God. Now think about this. Here's your life and you have God, and you have trials. The only thing that could be worse than a life of trials with God would be a life of trials without God. Now think about that. Uh, God has given you his presence. He's given you his glory. Uh, even during your wanderings, Christ is there with you. And it's the darkest hour. You can't look up. You, you look out the window. It's dark. It's ugly. It's miserable. Christ is with you. He hasn't abandoned you. You may feel about this big at times. You may feel like, oh, man, I'm no good. I've suffered. I've done wrong. And guess what? All that may be true. Except God says, I'm with you. You may have suffered. You may have done wrong. But you are good in his eyes. You have the righteousness of Christ on you. Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's about him. It's not about you. It's about what he's doing. It's about the light that he gives you. And yeah, there's sometimes things that we have to deal with over here, but we have the hope of glory. There's something coming down the road. It's the plan of God. God has not abandoned his plan because of what you're going through. God will get you through what you're going through. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, as we think about people of great faith. You know, those people that had great faith, they all had great surrender. They surrendered to God. And I want to encourage you this morning to surrender to God. Surrender to God's plan, God's purposes in your life. And, you know, at times there are situations that are just way beyond your control, things that you can't deal with. Maybe it's a health crisis. Maybe it's job. You fill in the blank. Whatever issue that you're going through even if it was your own shortcomings God says I'm still with you I am with you Christ in you the hope of glory I will never leave you nor forsake you I'm your God I'm your father I'll never disown you I'll deal with you but I'm not going to disown you I'll discipline you, but I'm not going to disown you. So this morning, I invite you in this room today. Maybe you're, you're struggling with some areas of life, and, and you just can't find the answer. You can't find the reason, and we may never know the reason or the answer on this side of heaven. But I'd like to give you the hope of glory. It's Christ in you. So this morning, if you've not come to Christ, if you haven't made this personal, you haven't invited him in as your personal Savior, I'd like to ask you to, to just pray a prayer quietly to God and, and begin a relationship with Him. Pray something like this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. I've offended your holiness. But you died on the cross. You came back to life again, and, and I invite you into my life. God, I, I need you to be my Savior. I need the hope of glory. I need Christ in me. For others in this room, maybe you've been a follower of Christ for some time, but life didn't roll the way you thought it would roll. 
you're dealing with life, you're dealing with your shortcomings, you're dealing with all kind of things out there, and God says, I'm still with you. You're my child. His glory, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want to encourage you today. Would you take the focus off of the dark and put the focus onto the glory, onto the hope of glory, Christ in you. Fly by the instruments this morning. Fly by the truth of what God has said in His Word. Who He is. Cling to His presence. Father God, I thank You for all that You do. Thank You for the way You've just drawn people to Yourself this morning. In this room, no doubt, people have opened their hearts and trusted Christ. Lord, I, I thank You for the way You're drawing every one of us to Yourself, Lord. How the people are coming and, and knowing You. And Lord, as we look at your word this morning, we're reminded of of the power of who you are. Thank you for Christ in us, the hope of glory. In your name we pray, amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song and worship our Lord. If you'd like to come and kneel at the altar, feel free to do so. Let's respond to him. He was pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed for our sins, the punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds, by His wounds we are healed. He was pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed for our sins. Punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds, by his wounds we are healed. We are healed by your sacrifice in the life that you gave. We are healed. for our sins the punishment that brought us peace was upon him by his wounds by his wounds we are healed we are healed by your sacrifice in the life that you gave we are here for you paid the price by your grace.